0: I don't know if you feel like I do, but we need a little good news. Don't you think? Um, There was an old Ann Murray song that I remember listening to growing up. Mom and Dad were fans of Ann Murray, and we listened to her a lot. And uh, she had a song called A Little Good News. We need a little good news today. And uh, I tell you, from turning on the the news stations to reading about the rise in coronavirus numbers, uh, political upheaval, rioting, all of the different things that we read about. And then, of course, I mentioned a few weeks ago, you know, the murder hornets are here. So (laughs) there's just really no good news. So hopefully for a little while this morning, we can, as we've already heard some really good news, we want to continue along that line. And I was thinking, you know, I can't really get any good news from looking at the media. So when I came in Thursday afternoon, had a long day at work, and Lila met me near the door and gave me a hug and a kiss on the cheek. That was good news. And a little later, uh, Sister Tracy had supper ready, and we all sat down around the table and began to visit and talk and laugh. I thought, this is good news. Uh, And and the point of that is this. I think we're living in a time where we're just going to have to make our good news. Y'all understand that? You're not going to get any good news from the media. And so as we think about... How can we live and make good news? I think it's very timely that we speak of Enoch this morning in Hebrews 11 and 5. It says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. And here we go. For before his translation, he had his testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, God is, and that God, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You remember when we started out in the foyer of faith, we need to make it clear from Hebrews 10 that when we go into the great hall of faith, we're talking about the object of our faith, which is Jesus Christ. We're not just building up these people that we read about. We're reading about what the object of their faith, Faith was the object of why they were the characters that they were and they had the character that they had. We read how you are the first one to be seen in the in the great hall of faith in that mirror. If you believe and comprehend that the world was formed by the word of God, that God created the heavens and the earth. You are in that hall of faith because the opposite of that, of course, is evolution. It says we just came from nothing. Then we read about Abel a couple of weeks ago. And let me say also, it's so good to be able to speak to you again. I've gone two Sundays now without really, really preaching to you. I'm so happy to be back and be able to preach to you. You don't know how that thrills me. And we talked a few weeks ago about Abel. And Abel was by faith able to worship, to sacrifice in a way that pleased God. So you see how all of these verbs that we're looking at, to comprehend, faith helps us comprehend. Faith helps us worship and sacrifice in a way that pleases God. And here we see that Enoch, the way that he lived and some things that he did pleased God. And he was the first person to be in heaven in bodily, fleshly form. Notice it says that God translated him. He did not die. So today there are three in heaven who are in bodily form. There's only three. And that's Enoch, Elijah, and Jesus Christ himself. Now one day, when the Lord comes back, there's going to be a lot of people in heaven in their their changed bodies, okay? But as sad as it was that we read about Abel who was murdered, and the way he left this world, probably the first person to die in a a physical way, in the saddest... As sad as that was, that he was murdered. The first person in heaven, most likely, was murdered to get there. The next thing we see, and it could be he's the next one. I don't know. The next one to enter heaven. But the next one is so glorious that he doesn't even die to get to heaven. See? That's intimidating. Now, you talk about looking at some heroes of faith. Well, there's one right there. We all would say, boy, I just don't see how that ever happened. Well, we're going to talk about how it happened. Here is the deal this morning. By faith, we can please God. As amazing as that sounds. Enoch pleased God versus displeasing God. So it says that Enoch walked with God. That he pleased God. You can, if you want to read about Enoch, it'll take you about five minutes. Every place that Enoch occurs in the scripture. From Genesis 5 to Hebrews 11 to the book of Jude. You can read about Enoch just like that. And it's amazing what is given there. I want you to see the setting, and we're going to go to the book of Jude, to see the setting of the culture that Enoch lived in. And if you can't see the relevance to that today, then we may just either fall asleep or just be completely blind. In Jude, we read how Jude, he was one of the apostles, you know, and Jude goes through talking about, that's the one right before Revelation, by the way, a little bitty book that doesn't even have it, one chapter. And so it says that Jude begins to talk about, eventually what things were like in the days of Enoch and I think everything that he lays out here applies to very similar to the way that was in the days of Enoch we know specifically some things do but I want you to think about how it applies to us today and Jude begins to take us on a journey through history verse 5 and he says I will therefore put you in remembrance though you once knew this how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt Afterward, destroyed them that believe not. So Jude goes through the next several verses leading up to verse 14 where he mentions Enoch. And he begins to put a setting before us of of things that are bad. The first one that he mentions, is not Egypt now. It's not Egypt that he's targeting there. It's the unbelieving Jews. It was the unbelieving Israelites that the Lord allowed to be destroyed and die in the wilderness during those 40 years because they didn't believe. What's our subject? Our subject is faith believing in god he says for it is impossible to please god without having faith and believing in him see so the unbelieving israelites are the ones that are first mentioned he goes on next in verse six and he mentions the angels which kept not their first estate i would you say well how does that apply to us i would say that it would be um, comparable to how great foundations fall Think about that. Remember the Twin Towers, whenever those terrorists wickedly murdered the folks there and they flew into the tower? It was just stunning. If you were alive then, and maybe you've seen it on some video, if you haven't, I encourage you to look at it. It was just stunning to see those massive towers fall. How could those things ever fall? And so how could an angel that was created by God, how could the devil uh, fall from that estate that God kept him in? You see, that was a tremendous unsettling fall great foundations fall that's the kind of picture that Jude is painting for us leading up to talking about Enoch notice the next one in verse 7 Sodom and Gomorrah if you want to know what the problem with Sodom and Gomorrah was we've spoken of it many times but he's, here in Jude he says it again the cities in like manner giving themselves over to fornication they were obsessed with sexual activity you hear me obsessed with pornography They were obsessed even with going after strange flesh, which is a reference to homosexuality. And they are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. You see, that was God took a little bit of the lake of fire and dumped that on Sodom and Gomorrah whenever he destroyed those cities. He goes on in verse 8. He says, likewise, these filthy dreamers. Let me just make a little side note here. I don't think any time in my life have I ever heard more about people having dreams. In the last uh, month or two, I've seen it on the internet. You know, this somebody will come on and say I had this dream, and I just got to share it. And I think it has to do with what the future is. Uh, I was at the wedding of Brother Austin and Sister Julia last week, last Friday, and got struck up a good conversation with the cameraman that was filming the wedding. And lo and behold, we were talking about spiritual things. It was going great. And then he said, "I just got to tell you this dream I had," and he went on to tell me this bizarre dream that was just really hokey. It was just strange. You say, well, you know, does anybody having a dream that's going to be beneficial? The answer is no. (laughs) No. Uh, Jude says these filthy dreamers. See, a dream, you know what a dream is? It's something that manifests itself in your mind at night. And I've had the craziest dream. If if I told you all my dreams, you'd think this man's lost his mind. And I would never seek to impose that dream and say, well, this is what we need to do because I had this dream. You don't need a dream when you've got the word of God forever settle that in your mind. You don't need a dream if you've got the word of God. He says there these folks were dreaming and they were def- others were defiling the flesh. That's a reference again to being obsessed with sex. That's what that means to defile the flesh. Like the Roman society in the days that it fell was obsessed with that activity. It says they also despise dominion. That means nobody can tell me what to do. That's the attitude. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And they speak evil of dignities. No respect even for those that are in authority. How much? How little respect is out there today, especially in the political arena? They're so disrespectful to, to one another, right? He goes on and he says, In the same way that Michael the archangel contended with the devil and disputed about the body of Moses. Which Don't ask me what that means. I have no idea. I'm just reading what the word of God says. But even Michael the archangel didn't bring a railing accusation against the devil. When this dispute took place, he said, the Lord rebuked thee. That ought to be our response instead of being disrespectful. Just, the Lord's going to take care of that. The Lord rebuke you. Let the Lord work on your heart. I guarantee the Lord is a much better convictor of the heart than you or me could possibly be. He goes on and he says that these days were like the days of... Of Cain, verse 11. Woe unto them, they've gone the way of Cain. Remember, we just studied Cain. He had a lot of malice in him, and he murdered someone. He says they ran greedily after the error of Balaam. Balaam was only interested in money, the love of money. You know, money's not the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And they perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Those are the guys that tried to overthrow Moses whenever he was out. They said, You don't really know what you're doing, Moses. We don't think that God's really called you to do this, and you needed help. And God. Suck those folks down into an earthquake <laughs> he says there's spots in your feasts of charity y'all don't understand what that means mom makes some of the best roast y'all had mom's roast right some of you have i forget all of you amen whenever i said that <laughs> amen mom's roast is fantastic what about our cream potatoes amen that's great stuff but what if you looked into cream potatoes and there was a roach in the cream potatoes you're going to take a bite of it that's what jude says it's like you know something's so good it's something so fine and then there's a roach in it. I remember in high school, they were raising money for the football team. I was in seventh grade, eighth grade maybe. And they had this huge vat, this pot, this cauldron of Brunswick stew. It was mad. And you just walked by, it smelled so good. He's out there stirring it with a paddle, you know. And this person who didn't have any sense whatsoever, and I will not state his name because some of you might live next door to him. Who knows? But he comes by and he spits. In the Brunswick stew. by the way, he got expelled from school for doing that. But, you know, I, I thought, you know, and if we were starving, we could probably still eat it because it's cooking and it would have cooked it out. But nobody touched that soup. And some of you mamas just went, no, nah, we wouldn't have. You're right. You're right. They poured it out, didn't eat it. But it, it just spoiled everything. You see, you know, like a roach in the cream potatoes or the roast or, or somebody spitting in the soup. That's that's the way it, that's the way it is that Jew describes he says they are clouds without water, carried about with winds. When I was growing up and we would be praying for rain out on the farm. It would be so dry, you'd put your foot down in the, in the field where the grass is and dust would come up. And we'd be praying for rain. Dad would look across over there. he said, "Boys, are you know looks like a cloud over there. And we'd go, yeah, yeah, He said, don't, don't get excited. He said, don't get excited. I don't know how he knew it. He should have been a weatherman. <laughs> he said, that, that cloud, it looks dark, but it ain't got any rain in it. And sure enough, that cloud will blow over cover the sun up. No rain. That's disappointing, isn't it? That's what he's describing right here. Disappointment. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. If you were wandering through the woods and hungry and you came across an apple orchard and it was time for apples and not a single a- apple tree in that orchard was producing fruit, that'd make you upset, wouldn't it? Raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. These are people who are foaming out their their depravity like a wave that just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. It's got an undertow also it'll pull you out and suck you out with it. Wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever? Everybody's afraid a comet or an asteroid is going to hit the earth, right? You'll see that on the good news from time to time. This this particular comet or asteroid, asteroid may come within you know, 10 million miles of the earth, and then they're going to say at some point, well, this one's going to come and hit the earth. <laughs> That's not good news, is it? None of this is good news. Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying... Do you hear that? Enoch prophesied of the way it would be in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, the way it would be in the days of um, when the angels lost their first estate, the foundations were shaken, the days whenever the people of Israel were unbelieving. You see, and also in the days of when Enoch was alive. See, Enoch prophesied of these things. And notice what Enoch said. And this is part of how Enoch pleased God. Enoch prophesied and said, Behold, the Lord cometh. Isn't that, isn't that simple? One of the things that Enoch did on a regular basis was said, The Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. He pleased God by saying that. And I want you to know that the time that he lived in was horrible. It was awful. If you'll do the genealogy checks on seeing the number of children that descended from, uh, from Cain and also the ones that descended from Adam, you'll see that Enoch was alive most likely in the same time frame of when Lamech was alive, who was a descendant of... Of Cain, who was the first mass murderer, when violence began to be on the rise, it was about a thousand years from the creation, and about six hundred years from God coming in the flood. Enoch prophesied, "God's coming, judgment's coming." Enoch marveled at the Lord. Do you marvel at the Lord? It says in back in our text there in Hebrews. It says that for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You see, believing that God is, believing that he is alive, that he is on the throne, that he is the creator. You see, that is an ongoing, regular interaction. My my wife is alive. Praise God. And she is right now. You know, she's not God. I'm not saying that. But she is alive and she is here now. And I acknowledge that and I rejoice in that. You know, in a a greater way than that, God is alive and he's here. He's working in our lives, as Brother Luke has already said. And he uh, definitely is concerned about us. And Enoch acknowledged that. Enoch was just walking around day to day. He's alive. He's with us. I believe in him. And I'm going to trust in him in some very bad times. Enoch marveled. He believed that God is. Not that he was and not that he will be, but that he is. That means that covers all of it. He's from the past, the present, and the future. And Enoch also mourned. If you notice in the book of Jude, the things that he said as he prophesied, he said, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. And he says... Uh, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly. Notice how many ungodlies. Among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You see, Enoch mourned over the condition of the world, the condition of God's people even. Not only did he marvel at God, but he mourned. Do you mourn over what you see over the condition of the churches? i tell you one thing that I... When it comes to our churches, and I, I travel different places, just like over at Gum Log a couple of weeks ago, which had such a wonderful time. There were 10 of their folks there that day. We took 11. And we had an incredible meeting. It was awesome. But I mourn. I mourn for them. I hope they have a future there. I pray some young man would feel burdened to go and shepherd them one day. It was all kinds of good things around them houses and, uh, and near, near Meridian. You know, there's a lot of possibilities there if God blesses. I mourn over that. I mourn over the condition of some of the churches. I mourn over the condition of our country. I mourn over the condition of God's people. Do you mourn? Enoch did. And not only did he mourn and marvel, but he also messaged. I'm using that word specifically because we do a lot of messaging today, don't we? We do a lot of text messages, Twitter messages, Instagram messages, message, message, message everywhere. Let me tell you, Enoch messaged. He spoke the words of God in a kind and loving way. He spoke of God. He messaged things about God. And he was also very, very motivated in serving God. One of the reasons we know this is because you know what he named his son? (laughs) It's 600 years before the flood. Actually... It was 969 years before the flood when his son was born. When Enoch's son was born. And his name is Methuselah. You know what Methuselah means? In one form or another, Methuselah means when he dies, the flood comes. How about that? That's faith right there, isn't it? When he dies, Methuselah, who lived 969 years, when Methuselah dies, the flood comes. And you know what happened? In the year that Methuselah died... The flood came. And Enoch had been preaching it all those years. Behold, he cometh. He's coming. You see, Enoch was a bright light in a very dark time. While, as I've told you before, the descendants of Cain and their Silicon Valley innovativeness and their creativity and they were revolutionizing the world as all of that was blinding the eyes and the minds of God's people in those days. Here was a beautiful testimony as Enoch just walked with God. He was just a little old man who lived a little old life in a little old community. That's where God was, you see? But the rest of that stuff was just blinding, right? So are we, by faith pleasing God, are we marveling that God is? Are we mourning over the condition of our own sinful condition and our our state of needing to be more and more repentant as time goes by? And, And as a national standpoint of God's people needing to repent? Are we messaging? Are we got to spend all day long messaging somebody? Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, I just got up. Hey, I just put my shoes on. Hey, I just did this. Hey, there's a lot of that kind of stuff goes on. But are we messaging our faith in God? Are we messaging to the people around us that we love the Lord? We're expecting his return. And I ask you, lastly, are we motivated like Enoch? Where is your Methuselah? Where is your Methuselah? Where is my Methuselah? He's coming. He's coming. You see, Enoch was not just bringing good news. Enoch was good news. We all have that. When you saw him coming, you say, here's Enoch. Well, we've been over here, you know, messaging all day long or getting messages and smoke signals from the camp of Cain. And they just came out with a new knife. They just came out with a new hoe that I want to use for my garden. They just came out with a new home protection device over here. Some of those things may be nice, and I believe in home protection. Don't get me wrong. And I certainly believe we need a hoe when we go to the garden. You don't want to use your fingers. But you see, they were blinded by those things. And here comes Enoch. Ah, they're glad to see him coming. He's got a different message. He's got an otherworldly message. He's got a message of God's presence, you see. And God was present with him. By faith, He lived good news. He was good news. Are we? (laughs) When folks see us coming, do they go, oh boy, here He comes. I wonder what negative thing He's going to have to say. We've all been guilty of that. Or do they say, here He comes, I can't wait. I I believe that's one of the reasons that Isaiah said, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good tidings of great joy. Oh, we ought to be looking forward to the ministers of the gospel coming around. Looking forward to hearing Brother Luke preach. Looking forward to hearing Brother Neil preach. Looking forward to hearing Brother McNeil share a message with us. Looking forward even to me coming before you. I've been looking forward to coming here. We ought to be looking forward to the preachers of the gospel coming and giving us good news because they're not reading Fox or singing in headlines to you here, see? I'm reading to you eternal headlines. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of His saints. There's a place where no one's groaning, where the sun shines eternal day, where no angry shouting voices disturb the endless theme of praise, where the treacherous path is ended with all tears, with our tears all wiped away, where sorrow fades to laughter and night surrenders to his day, where the shadows fade to sunshine, where the mysteries all are shown, at the feet of our dear Savior, where we'll know as we are known. May we take the example of Enoch and seek to please the Lord through the different things that we've described, marveling at the Lord, mourning over our condition, messaging that we believe He's coming and that He's here with us now and being motivated to walk day by day with Him. If there's one or more here that would like to follow the Lord, we give you that opportunity as we stand and sing.